Good morning. Today we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. But we're also reminded um, that as freely as we get to come and do this, uh, several hours ago in Sri Lanka, a couple hundred people lost their lives as several churches were targeted and bombs exploded with hundreds of more injured as they were going to worship Jesus Christ in church. May we not take for granted the opportunity we have to declare that Jesus is Savior and the freedom that we have. And so, God, we ask that you will fill our hearts, direct us, and guide us. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all therefore, all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might, li- might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And that is the story of Jesus Christ. And some of you may be coming here today, uh, you, you're, you may have maybe muddy vision when it comes to your understanding of Jesus. Maybe you're here because you know it makes mama happy. Uh, Maybe you're here because you're hoping and praying that your neighbor will no longer ask you to ever come because you came today. I don't know. Um, Possibly. And some of us have a, a muddy understanding an unclear understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. The prayer is that today you can gain some, gain some clarity. Some of you need to even move beyond things that maybe have happened in the past. Not too long ago, I'm at Meyer, and I uh, have to just run through. I'm through the express lanes. Uh, I think it's like 20 items and under. And so like everybody else, I think I only had like 35, so I was going through it. Um, and just modeling, modeling, setting an example. And I'm there, and I hear this lady a couple back look at the guy in between the two of us, and she says, Happy Easter. And he goes, Oh, yeah, sure, kind of mentality. And me being me, I saw that as an opportunity to interject in the conversation. And I said, Oh, man, yeah, I'd love to have you come to church sometime. Um, I I attend down at Chapel Point down the road on Baldwin, um, he goes, how far down? I tell him, I'm like, he's like, is the preacher any good? And I go, heck yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, fantastic. He's like, why are you so excited about that? I said, no, I just, I didn't say that. Um, I might have thought it for a moment. And I said, no, you know, he's, he's, he speaks and he, you know, would love to have you come and uh, just to worship because it's actually, I said, it's not about him. It's about Jesus. Amen. And all of a sudden, it uh, goes into some other conversation. He says, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in it. He got this gruff voice all of a sudden. He goes, I haven't been in church in 28 years. And I just said, listen, I, I don't know what happened, but whatever it was, my Jesus is a God of love and life and hope, and I hope you can move beyond it. It was a short conversation. If you're here today, Welcome to that man. 
Because one of the things I quickly understood is he didn't have a clear understanding of Jesus. Maybe something happened in his past in a church. Maybe something happened between his parents. But he didn't have a clear understanding. He didn't have a full view of the life that Jesus Christ really has for us. Because this last Friday, if you were here, we were remembering the death of Jesus Christ and the empty life that is there without Jesus. But the reason we are here today is because we know that now that empty life has been conquered and there is a full life in the name of Jesus Christ. There is victory. There is victory, and it's for you. There is a victory for you. There is a life that is waiting for you that is truly fantastic. And maybe you don't have a clear view of what that is. But I'm hoping today you won't run past what God is wanting for you to hear. Can I invite you to join with me in opening up scripture this morning to Mark chapter 16? Mark chapter 16. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 3, and then I'm just going to, I want to tell you part of the story of what's unfolding. Mark's one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a wonderful, it's the shortest gospel, so if you've never read one of the gospels before and you have no attention span, read Mark. It's the shortest one that we have. It's just power-packed and all kinds of beauty in it. It's really amazing. And so I'd love for you to better go and read that sometime. But here we are in Mark chapter 16. And this is what it reads. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now, I need to go ahead and stop. We know that Sabbath ends at sundown on Saturday. And so we also know that because of the Jewish law, a mourning is not allowed. Grieving is not allowed on the Sabbath either. And because Christ was crucified on Friday, the people would not have had the time to prepare Jesus' body. And so they were waiting to do so. That's why now, probably the night before on Saturday evening, the shops would have reopened at sundown because Sabbath would have ended. They would have gone. They would have purchased. They would have bought all the spices. And now that next morning, as soon as they could, they would take off and they would go to anoint Jesus' body. Because you think about the location of where he is, Mediterranean, hot, arid, all these different things. You think about the body, they want to prepare it as soon as possible. And so here they are, they're off to go and do this. And you know that on this day, it's the third day, right? They, they truly are grieving. And in the Jewish culture also, any, day, any part of a day was considered a day. So Friday would have been the first day, and then Saturday would have been the second, and then today would have been that third day. That's what it says on the third day he rose from the dead. And so now here they are because the Sabbath is now over. The very first opportunity that they have, they're running over to make sure they want to go and prepare the body of Jesus. But you know that they are grieving because they must not have thought about some of the details. Maybe they did. Maybe they were just hoping to find people on the way. Who knows? But you think about it. They're going to prepare the body of Jesus, and yet he's already been placed in the tomb, and in front of the tomb is this enormous stone. First century tombs, um, when you look at them, they're typically one of a couple of different ways. One of them you'll see here um, was more of this... It was still a circle so that it could roll it, move it maybe, um, but more of a plug style. They put it in there. Still a massive thing. 
The other's more of a disc. You'll be able to see that as well. And it's something that more maybe what you have always impictioned or imagined in your own mind. And yet here come these ladies. These would have weighed hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And now all of a sudden, here come these ladies to move the stone, not thinking maybe we need to have somebody to help us move the stone. Mark 16, verse 4, it tells us, And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. This is a tomb uh, that one of the individuals, Joseph of of Arimathea, gave for Jesus' body. Now, tombs back then also, it was somewhat unique. They would place someone within this tomb. They would have these other kind of channels off of the tomb. And um, after they placed a body in it for a year, the bones would be left. They would come, open the tomb back up, take the bones, put them in a box, set them to the side in one of those areas, and they would use the tomb again. And so here they are now opening up this tomb. And they're coming to prepare the body, right? But they come and they see, you know what, the stone was no longer there It was large, but it had been rolled back. And as they also look up, they see this angel. They see this young man. And I need to tell you, if I'm I'm about to pop someone's bubble, I'm sure. But the Word of God never says that angels are always female. The Word of God never says that they have wings. But they have the presence of God. And now all of a sudden, they're looking up. And here's this angel looking at them. One of the things that you find being communicated, it says, he says to them in verse 6, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. I love the fact that he starts with the words, do not be alarmed. I remember when I was younger, um, I had a brother, three years older. I love him, great guy. Um, but he used to torture me. Anybody else a younger brother who had an older brother who used to get beat on? It just means you're a special person called by God. I'm convinced of that. I remember one time, I don't know, we had this neighbor, Fred. I think he borrowed it from Fred. He borrowed a gorilla's mask kind of thing from my brother. I mean, from him. And when I came into the room, he jumped out and scared me really bad. I fell down, hit my head on the dresser. And being the young man that loves God as I do, I jumped up and I punched him hard. And he's going, as soon as he scares me, he's going, it's just me, it's just me. I didn't care. That didn't ease any of the tension in my body. I released it. And I punched him, and then I ran calling, Mama! So here they are, all of a sudden, they're encountering, and they're experiencing all of this. And the the angel of the Lord says, don't be alarmed. I still would have been freaked out. And they're coming here to just come, and they're grieving, and all this is happening with this intense, intense emotion because the Son of God just died. And now, finally, after all that grieving is being pent up because on the Sabbath, remember, they couldn't mourn, and you know that now it's just bursting out of them, and they're grieving, and they see this angel, and he's saying, don't be alarmed, and you know they're confused, and they don't know exactly what's probably unfolding before them. You're following me, right? In the same passage, it then tells us 
says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You can imagine them sticking their heads in and kind of checking it out. And if you read the other gospels as well, you start putting more of the picture together and understanding all that was unfolding and taking place. And you can imagine, you can see this happening. But here's the thing I don't want you to miss. Because sometimes I think that they, I think we sometimes walk right past part of the miracle. Part of the miracle that even God has for you. Part of the miracle that God had for them. And the part of the miracle that I want to make sure that we kind of camp out on today, that we don't run past, that we don't sprint past, is this, that God moved the stone. And and hear me say this. God didn't move that stone because he had to. You need to hear that. You think about the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, he had walked through walls. He had healed people over and over and over again. He had fed the thousands with very little to even use. He had done miracle after miracle. He had raised someone from the dead. He didn't move that stone to let Jesus out. He moved the stone to let us in. He moved that stone because here we are. Here's a picture of most people in life is that we're all pushing against this giant stone. And for everybody, that stone is different. For everybody, for you, that stone may be your marriage. Some of you are sitting beside someone right now, and you've been trying to figure out for months how to get out of the marriage. What would be the best way for the kids? Shouldn't have married this person. I can't live like this. I'm only 42 years old. I've got half my life left, if not more. I don't want to do this. And you start, you're trying to figure it out. And it's a stone that you're trying to push, and you can't seem to move it. For some of you, it's one of your kids, and you don't know why they are doing what they're doing, and you don't know what to do anymore. You don't know if you should kick them out of the house. You don't know if you should allow them to stay and show that love and that grace. But how much is too much, and how many times is too many times? For some of you, it's another relationship, maybe with a parent or maybe with a friend or maybe with a colleague, and you can't stand the person. And every time you hear their voice, you want to turn around and run the other way. For some of you, it's financially, and all you know is you just keep wanting to be bailed out and helped financially, but yet you won't control what you're doing with your finances. And it's a struggle for you, and it's even an addiction. For Maybe for some of you, it's smoking, or maybe it's alcohol, and you've just abused it and abused it, and now you think it's just normal because you've justified your actions over and over, and now instead of only being controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're being controlled by something else. And it's a stone that you're pushing. It's a stone that you're trying to move out of the way. And what I'm here to tell you today, no matter what your stone is, God has delivered you. But you have to receive it. You have to absorb it. The stone wasn't moved to let Jesus out. It was moved to let us in. Jesus' tomb was empty because he conquered death. He was the first fruits. Right? One of the festivals, Jewish festivals, 
And all the barley would have been brought in. They would have offered their first fruits. That's why it tells us that Jesus Christ himself is the first fruit. He is the first given to us so that we may have life. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 and following, it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul is letting us know that in Christ all will be made alive. All can know a full life. This is why John tells us in probably the most popular passage that we know of, John 3.16, that all who believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life, a full life. And eternity for the believer starts as soon as when you say, I believe. It doesn't start when you physically die. It starts now. And as a believer, we need to start understanding that full life that we can live today. It doesn't wait until we die physically. It starts now. This life of constantly having to push on the stone and living in anxiety. Some of you are waking up every day and you're like, man, I just got to keep running the race. got to keep running the race. And you feel like you can never win. That life, it doesn't have to be that. That way, Jesus has conquered it. You're making a choice. Well, this, this series that we're jumping in, we're going to talk a lot more the next couple of weeks about what it is to have a full life. It tells us in John 10.10, 10, one of the themes, it says that the thief, Satan, right, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is wanting you to live in your own insecurities and your own inadequacies and your own stress and your own anxiety. But he says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And we need to process what it is to live in a full life, to stop walking past some of the miracles that God has already done. Don't, don't be partial. Don't live with partial faith. Recently, um, there's a new restaurant down in Jenison. Maybe you've been there before. I recognized in the first service, as soon as I was given a call out to a restaurant, they should be hooking me up with some free food. But I went to this new barbecue place called Dickie's. Um, which it, it was, we've got some friends. Uh, you saw Catherine Bilberry up here. They're from Texas, and they're like, oh, well, Dickie's is just like a, a McDonald's of barbecue in Texas. And I'm like, well, that's encouraging. And so what do I do? I go. And because I'm thinking barbecue, there's only one way to eat barbecue, and you drink sweet tea. Now, I know you're a bunch of Yankees, but sweet tea is from Jesus himself. At a wedding in Cana, <laughs> it says water to wine. It meant to say water to sweet tea. And I am kidding about that, but it would have been a good party. <laughs> I take my kids there, and they give you a cup. I'm like, I need some sweet tea. They're like, you want anything to eat? I'm like, just whatever. I need sweet tea. So I get me a cup, and I hand it to my youngest. I say, go put some sweet tea in this, please. And he brings it back half full. I said, what's wrong with you, child? Get me some, go get me some sweet tea. The kid looks at me and says, you know mom doesn't want you to have that much sugar. I said, <laughs> I told get out. He's no longer living with us. It's all good. My food bill's cheaper. It's good. I said, what is wrong? Get, go fill that thing up. You don't, too many of, guys, too many of us are living with a little bit of Jesus, and he's got a whole lot more. 
You're living with a little bit of Jesus. You're living with, you're just declaring it and you're proclaiming it. And you're saying, oh yeah, Jesus is good. I like it. He's going to give me eternal life. And, and at least this is a safety net for me. It's not a safety net. It's a way of life. It changes your life. It alters your life. The way you speak, the way you live, a full life is to be had in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's the greatest thing you can ever know. Stop living in partial faith. Stop living with the cup half full. There's a full life to be had in Christ. He has conquered death. Why? Because we know even from last week that an empty life, you know what an empty life is? An, an empty life is circumstantial. That's why we always speak of it this way. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness and joy are different. Why? Because happiness, the same as an empty life, it's circumstantial. It's based on what others are saying or what others are doing and what they think of you. And so you're always just chasing, 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 chasing. And you never really know what it is to have full life because you never find confidence in who Christ has made you to be as a child of God. And so you just keep chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing. And you don't recognize really what he has for you. And you want your desires and you never even stop to say and, and to think, is this God's desire? That's why it tells us that this thief, Satan, is coming. And his design is to steal from you. Let Even one of the greatest weapons of Satan, I'm telling you now, is let you think that you're living in a life of faith when you're actually not, but you're living in partial faith. You're living with just a little bit of it. And you think you know already what full life is, and you're being cheated of it because you're listening to the thief that is stealing the true joy that God has for you. A full life is an eternal life. Found in a relationship with God, it tells us in John chapter 17, verse 2, it tells us that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I think a lot of us need to process this true God. And I think a lot of people today, my concern is that we're walking right past one of the miracles. And we say we believe in God and that the tomb is empty. But yet we're outside of it. And you know what we're doing standing outside the tomb? We're pushing a stone that doesn't need to be moved because God's already done it. Oh, I live in peace and the joy of Jesus. And then I want to look at people and say, then why do you keep pushing the stone? You don't have to anymore. You're getting this, right? For me, one of my stones is just crazy insecurity. When it comes to being sometimes a father, and I'm the guy who every time as a father, I'm always feeling like I need to teach my kids lessons, and, and, and sometimes it's because I think I just want them to be these amazing people of faith. Other times I think it's because I'm just insecure, and I don't think I can be a good enough father, so I'm chasing it. I didn't think I was going to get that real with you. Because right now, I just recognize I'm going to have a long conversation with my wife later today. Sometimes my insecurity comes as a husband and wanting to truly treat my bride as the way God intends, the same way that Christ treats his bride, which is the church. Sometimes my insecurity is as a preacher and as a leader and, and going, I don't even... 
I don't even know if this is the right thing. I'm just calling out to God for help. And you live in those insecurities. And some of you are pushing that same rock over and over. Every day you're waking up and you're doing that. And that's why you're so eager for the weekend because you just don't want to have to live in that anymore. That's why you sleep later. Not because you necessarily need more sleep, but you just want to hide from the life that you really have every day. Anybody? My concern is that you're missing the miracle that God has for you. The miracle that ushers in a peace and a fulfillment and a comfort and a warmth and a power that is unlike anything else. That even when the circumstances in your life are falling down around you, you find peace and you find comfort. Please don't think that you can do it yourself because you can't. And some of you are going, you don't understand. I've got to control it. I've got to control it. I've got to control it. And you want to be able to control everything. And even though the stone's not there, all you're thinking is, but I didn't get to move it. I want to make sure that I'm the one who gets to move it. And Jesus is going, no, you can't move it. I've already moved it, not to let Jesus out, but to let you in. Will you stop and recognize that there is victory in knowing that the resurrection is real? Part of eternal life, that full life, is starting by releasing your life to Jesus. Hopefully, at some point in your life, probably most of you learned how to ride a bicycle. If you ever learned how to ride a bicycle, whether you still do or not, we raise your hand. Class participation. That's most people. That's why I'm asking you to raise your hand. I don't want to leave anybody out. I, I've re- very much enjoyed teaching my kids how to ride bicycles. It's been a lot of fun. Lots of exercise because you run every single time about 87 miles running behind them when they learn, right? Don't fall, don't fall. I'm also, um, I was also the guy, though, that with our first kid, at first I just, someone gave us a bike to use with him. I'm like, great, that's called free. And so, but it was too big for him. But I'm like, oh, he'll be fine because I didn't want to have to buy a small one. And I told my wife, I was like, he's going to outgrow the one that fits anyway. Let him learn how to do this. She's like, he can't touch his feet to the ground. I'm like, he'll be fine. And so I told him to learn to ride the bike using a curb so that he could just step up on it better and until he fell down. And it start, it's learning that's the hardest part. It's starting off, isn't it? It's starting off, and for some of you, the real issue is that jump-off point in your faith where you need to truly, you're watching people pedal by and ride their bikes, and they're living that life, but you don't really do it. I mean, you claim it, but you don't really, and you need to just start. You need to say, I'm in. I want, I want to learn how to live in faith. I want to learn how to live in faith. I want to be able to do that very thing. And I understand that that's one of the most difficult parts because why you start listening to others and maybe you're listening to your parents from decades ago. Maybe you're listening to friends. Maybe you're listening to some of you right now. You're sitting beside someone who may be the most discouragement when it comes to your faith. And you keep listening to those voices, and you need to say no more. I'm going to recognize that I don't have to move whatever stone, whatever tomb is in my life. I don't have to do that. God has already done it for me. 
And that's why, if you would, just take those, take those rocks. That's why I gave these to you today. I want you to take these with you. And for some of you, this is going to be a reminder. You may want to write something on it. You may want to say, hey, you know what? On yours, it's going to say anxiety, or it's going to say marriage, or it's going to say friendship, or it's going to say money, whatever it is. And you've got this burden. You've got this stone that you keep trying to push, but you need to allow God to take control of it. You need to hand it to him, to surrender it to him. And so you need to carry this around being reminded, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. And maybe one day you're going to have the courage to do it, and you're going to heave it across Lake Michigan. For some of you, you're already there now, and you're going, you know what? I am all yours, Christ, but you're going to carry this as a reminder that you don't have to worry about all those anxieties and stresses, and you don't have to worry about keep trying to push the stone because you recognize that God has already brought freedom. And you're going to carry it as a reminder. Remembering all that God has actually done for you. Paul tells us, and he points out that Christ died and that he rose again into eternal life. It tells us in Romans chapter 6, an amazing passage for us. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life. Continues on in verse 9 through 11 where it says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We're going to have an opportunity here. The praise team is going to come back out. And as they do, I want, I want to ask you again, what, are, are you missing the miracle that God has for you? Or are you running right past it? Are you missing the miracle that God has for you? Are you missing that miracle, whatever it may be, Are you missing the miracle that God has for you? And some of you need to just say, you know what? I'm going to learn to ride the bike. I'm in. Let's go. And you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And you need to be all in. And you need to say, God, I'm not running past the miracles anymore. I am your child. And I have been set free and saved by the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to be baptized. We just baptized 10 in the last service. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you can clap for that. That's good. And I know some of us are scared to death of saying I'm all in, but I'm, my, my prayer is that you'll let God have everything you need. And so we're going to worship and then we're going to see if anybody wants to be baptized. And if not, I'll pray for a whole long time. Because we want to see this entire community come to know Jesus.
to truly surrender everything. Not partial faith, full faith. Drink the whole glass of sweet tea. And so I want to invite you to stand up right now if you would. And as we worship, and if you're someone who's saying, you know what, I need to be all in, I I recognize that it's through baptism that I can really know him. And it's symbolic of that new life. But Christ himself came and said, John the Baptist, he looked at him and says, I need you to baptize me. And John's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fit. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I know I'm the son of God, but I need you to do this. And it's symbolic of Christ coming into our lives. So I says that we're buried with him through baptism into death. And so we've got shirts, we've got shorts, we've got towels, we've got whatever you may need. And we're going to ask if you're interested in being baptized today, you can walk right through those back doors and there's some people who will usher you around. And we'll have that opportunity. But right now what we're going to do is we're going to worship God with all of our heart. We're going to worship God with all of our heart. Lord, I thank you for these friends. May we have a courage, every single one of us, like we've never known. May we not walk right past the miracle that you have in store for us. May we live fully in it, every single person here. May they know your strength. Some of them have a stone of bitterness, a stone of anger, a stone of hostility. May they no longer have that stone in their life. May they hand it over to you as they live in the victory that only you can bring. In Christ's name.